This show is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Get more at nerdylegion.com. Enjoy the show. Hey, so this is a uh, this is kind of an impromptu episode of the Nerdy Legion. And uh, if you listen to this, you know, Martin, if you don't, hey, welcome aboard. Um, I'm on vacation just recording a bunch of stuff. And uh, I think I've been at the computer for like six hours right now recording things. Um, except for a short break that I took because work wanted to have a conference call when I'm on vacation. I don't know why. But uh, this morning, uh, our good friend Rob Krieger, he uh, he sent me a message about what Aftershock books I was planning on continuing after uh, culling my pull list. So for people that listen to this or uh, Valiant Central... Um, I don't know if I've mentioned it in any other podcast, but at least in those two, I know I have. And last episode, Mike came on um, and talked to Nick and I about uh, this this culling, as I called it. Um, so what what I found is I, I read too many comics. Read too many comics. That's tough, man. Think about how much time it takes to read a comic and how much enjoyment you get out of it and that's kind of the place where i was at so so i work a lot i work you know 50 60 hours a week usually uh sometimes more but on average 50 to 60 hours and of course i, I have a family i have kids uh you know i have honey do lists stuff i need to do around the house and uh it gets tough being able to to juggle all that you know and for for a long time i've just felt like i just don't have time to do anything and the problem when you get to that point is if you feel like you can't do anything, you kind of shut down in a lot of ways, you know. So I buy a ton of comics, but I feel like I can't read them because it's so many, so many comics. What a what a problem to have, right? First world problems. I remember, you know, when I first started reading comics, just buying like two or three because I was nine and money's not easy to come by when you're nine because you can't work and then you know as you get to be an adult you you go back and you think about that and you're like man back in the day I, I couldn't read anything that I wanted to read because I couldn't afford it now I've got a job I want to read all the things and uh, it kind of felt like I was reading all the things I mean I, I wasn't reading all the things but it felt like it you know for a little while I had I had dropped so many comics. You know, I mean, I think at one point I was doing, like, just Valiant very briefly. And things started getting busy at work. And I just, I wanted to read more comics. So I picked up some more. Then I went to DCBS. I quit going to my local shop for the most part. And I went to DCBS. And then eventually I just didn't have time to go to the shop. So I was doing exclusively DCBS. And uh, I just I just didn't want to read digital comics. Here's the problem with DCBS. DCBS is a fantastic service. If you want to get comics and you don't mind waiting a little bit and you want to save some money, it's the perfect place to go. And this is this is not an ad for DCBS, so let me just get that out of the way. But but it is a fantastic service. I've never had issues. I know some people have had problems with the way the books were shipped and whatever. I never had that problem. Maybe part of that is because I get a lot of books, and so maybe they like self-protect themselves if you have them in a bundle. I always bag and board them, of course, when I order them, so that does help. But the thing about DCBS is, you know, so so we'll just do an example. So let's say all I was reading was Valiant, okay? Nine books. Well, less than that now, six books. Let's say that's all I was reading. Six books at four bucks a piece, that's $24. Uh, you know what? Let's go. Let's go back to the nine. That gives me a better number, or ten. So let's say they're putting out ten books. That's forty bucks. Now I can I can go on DCBS and get a bundle. Now, granted, not every publisher has a bundle, but I could get a bundle, and that would cost me with shipping. I don't know, twenty five bucks, twenty six bucks. Like that's a hell of a deal. And of course, then that tells you, well, you know. I was already spending 40 now I'm only spending 25 Maybe I can get some more comics 
to make up for the difference. So I'm still still spending the same. It doesn't you know mess with my budget. So then you start picking up some more books, and then let's just say you're reading uh, with the price of some of these. Let's say you can afford to buy twenty books instead of ten, and you're still only spending the same amount of money. That's a hell of a deal. That's a hell of a deal, especially with the way that the industry is going. A lot of these publishers need as much support as they can be given. And of course, if you are willing to to buy more books, and hell, it's a win-win for you because you're spending the same, then why not do that, right? makes perfect sense. But then there's other things that don't make it as enticing. So you need to order the books in advance, right? That helps them, you know, get better pricing, I would assume. Um, But, like, if I have to order a book two months in advance, I have to spend the extra time to go and see what books are coming out that I don't normally get that I might want to pick up. So if all you're reading is one publisher, let's just switch to DC. Let's say all you're reading is, is DC Comics. I don't know how many books that is right now. I can pull it up and look, but I'm not going to. Let's just say 52, because DC loves the number 52. Let's say there's 52 DC books coming out, and that's all you're getting. Okay? Well, what about when, like, special things pop up, right? So, for example, Metal's going on right now, the Dark Knight stuff. Or, you know, I just talked about on Iron Gotham, there's some Batman graphic novels coming out. Or in a couple of new Batman miniseries coming out that will be turned into graphic novels. Well, if, if I'm just doing the subscribe to all thing, then I'm not going to catch that, right? So now, now I have to spend extra time trying to find, hey, what other books are out that I might want to check out? And there's a few different ways to look at it. So, for, for example, Bill Bomer, awesome dude. His body is a wonderland, let me tell you. I've met the man. He usually picks up number one issues. Now, I don't know where like where that mentality goes, right? Because I don't feel like he's buying number ones to make money, right? I think Bill's been around for long enough that he knows all those copies of, uh, you know, like Superman 75, they're not going to make him rich. Just like all these number ones that he's getting aren't going to make him rich. But maybe that's what he wants, right? He wants to have the number ones. And he, he does collect trades. So eventually he's going to have the trade anyway. And he's willing to wait for the trade. Okay? Then you have, like, on the opposite side of things. So our buddy Michael Myers. Or even Rob. Rob Krieger. Those two guys buy a lot of books. Matter of fact, I would say... Until I decided to do my culling... I don't know anybody that was buying more than me. Well, maybe Ronnie. Ronnie does read a lot of books. But, like, Mike buys everything. You know, and I, I wouldn't say Rob buys a lot too. Like maybe, maybe three quarters of what Mike buys, but I, I know that Rob buys a lot of books. And those two guys do a really good job at keeping up, but they are always behind because they read so many comics, right? So Mike does the Mike Games Week reads, and generally, when I listen to that, it's always interesting to see what week he's talking about. Because a lot of the times, the books that he's reading, he's like six months behind on, on, on these books. And there's nothing wrong with that. Because he's a mood reader, right? So he reads what he wants. So he might read, let, let's just say like Batman, I don't, what's Batman up to 30? Let's say Batman 30 came out. And he feels like reading Batman, he might go read that. And then he can make his notes on it and talk about it, you know, in four, five, six months or whatever. That, that might be a thing he does. Then you have a guy like Rob that likes to read alphabetically. That's interesting. He likes to read alphabetically. And that might work for him. Whereas, you know, Mike thinks he's crazy because it doesn't work for Mike. Makes perfect sense. Everyone reads differently. I do too. So the thing is, like, how, how do I read books? Right? How do you read your books? How much time do you have to read your books? I think ultimately that's what's important, right? I always try to, to look at my free time as an investment. Because when I'm at work, you know, I make a certain amount of money per hour. I, I don't make hourly wage. I, I'm salaried. But I always try to think about, like, how much is my free time worth? And to me, my free time is actually worth more than my work time. Because it's a lot more precious than my work time is. 
I don't have as much free time as I have work time. So when I read books, it's it's really weird. You know, like I want to say I'm a mood reader. And I think I think the more I realized that maybe I was getting too much, the more I realized that I really have become more and more a mood reader. And really, I'll, I'll be honest, right now my mood is on nothing new. So I'm re- I'm re- I'm reading new stuff. But I'm also very behind on new stuff. I'm trying to think what the the newest thing. I mean, so like I'm still reading Valiant books and and Aftershock books and Lion Forge books, but everything else I think I'm behind on. Some things more than others, you know. Like Batman, I'm three issues behind. I think uh, most of the Bat Family, I'm I'm about three issues behind. I would say most of DC, I'm three or four issues behind. Some some books even more than that. Other than that, like I don't read very many image books. Those I generally get in trade. I feel like they they do read better in trade. Marvel books I apparently read way more than I thought I read, and that was kind of enlightening for me. But I don't get as much enjoyment out of those either. You know, Moon Knight's one of my favorites, and you know Lemire's gone. I know there's uh, there's like a renumbered Moon Knight coming out, which the creative team looks interesting. But it's it doesn't seem like something maybe I want to follow, and I do own like everything Moon Knight. That was that was a lot easier than Batman, right? My Batman collection is is pretty deep, but uh, some of those books are going to be impossible to get. Moon Knight not so much, and I do own I, I want to say like ninety seven percent of of the Moon Knight stuff. Uh, outside of that, like what is there? So I really love Thanos. And the thing about that is, so Donny Cates is going to be writing that. And that's tough. I haven't made that decision yet. But I really love what Donny Cates does. The thing is, is he going to be able to do the same for me that he does with his indie books? So for, for the past few weeks, the, the joke in our, our private chat with the, uh, the Nerd Legion uh, hosts has been, hey, have you read Ghost Fleet? Because I have been talking up Ghost Fleet quite a bit. It's one of my favorite Donny Cates books. And I think some people have by now. Some people still haven't. But it's become a joke. You know? When anybody says, hey, have you read this particular book? Either myself or somebody else says, well, have you read Ghost Fleet? And Ghost Fleet is great. So if you haven't read it, go read it. i got to put that in there. But outside of that, what, what else does Donny Cates do? So he's doing God Country, which is fantastic. If you haven't read that, you should read it. It's a uh, it's a really interesting study on psychology. I would say. Rednecks. It's a vampire story from Image. That's really really good. It's not my favorite Donny Kate stuff, but it's really good. And uh, of course, this Baby Teeth at Aftershock. That's freaking awesome. I love that book. So now he's going to be doing Thanos, which I've been reading. That Lemire's been writing it. Now he's gone. Donnie's taking over. He's going to be doing the newly launched Doctor Strange book, which I believe doesn't even feature Doctor Strange, if I'm correct. I haven't looked at the solicit, so I don't know. But I think it's uh, like about the Sorcerer Supremes, not just Doctor Strange. So the thing is, like, do I want to continue following those because Donnie's writing them? And then you come at another impasse, right? Because... So, so for Donny Cates, as an example, a book like Rednecks or Baby Teeth are from indie publishers, and they don't necessarily sell as well, right, as a Marvel book would. So, that, so I got to look at that too, right? As much as I love Donny Cates' writing, is what I purchase actually helping put out a book that I enjoy? Is it supporting the book that I enjoy? And uh, I'm not going to go into sales numbers or anything like that, but you know, Mar- Marvel will always sell better. DC will always sell better than than an indie. They have a built-in audience, right, because of the name. They've been publishing for 75 years, 50 years, 60 years, whatever, more, less. People recognize Marvel DC. Marvel DC has movies, okay? That always gives them a comics bump. Is my buying Thanos going to guarantee that I can continue reading Thanos? 
Well, maybe. That's probably a bad example because, I mean, I don't know how well Thanos sells, but my assumption is not as well as, say, like a Captain America or an X-Men. Again, I'm not following sales numbers, so I could be wrong. But that just seems to make sense to me. Same with Doctor Strange. You know, I really liked the the previous Doctor Strange book. I think Jason Aaron was writing that, right? But I don't like I didn't like that run as much as the stuff he was doing with Thor. Thor's fantastic. Fantastic. I think Thor was the only Marvel book I was reading for a little while. Um so that's interesting, right? Do I wanna continue reading something just because of the creative team? That's tough. Because what if the creative teams change? That happens all the time. You know, think about like how many books you have creators on for a long, long time, and it's not very many. So Jason Aaron's been on, on Thor for forever. That's been awesome for forever. He's done a few different ones, right? Mighty Thor and Morty Thor. The Thors. Those were all great. But what if like he's not doing it anymore? Right? I'm a big Warren Ellis fan. When he left Moon Knight... The book wasn't as good, but I kept reading it because it was Moon Knight. But if it was something else, would I still be reading it? And that, that's kind of the, the, the impasse that I'm at with uh, with some of these books, yeah. particularly the, the ones that Donny Cates is going to be doing. And I have a few other creators like that. I've been a, a huge fan of Robert Benditti, for example, for a long time. And of course, I was getting his Valiant stuff, and I would buy his indie books when they came out. And then now he's been at DC exclusively doing Hal Jordan the Green Lantern Corps. And I'm still reading that. But, like, is Hal Jordan at risk of cancellation if, if Martin Ferretti quits reading it? Probably not, right? But I still want to read it because I love Diddy's writing. So, you know, that's probably going to be a trade book. And that's what I found interesting is I think there's going to be so many more trades in my future. But I'm not, I'm not so concerned about the big-name stuff, right? Like, as much as I love DC, if I go mostly trade, and I guess I can get into that point, if I go mostly trade, even on DC, then that's, that's okay. I don't feel like I'll be that far behind. Because if I'm already, you know, four issues behind on all the series, I mean, trades are four issues anyway. So why can't I wait for a trade to come out? I, I can't. And that'll give me a little less, uh, little less stress in my life, you know? I don't feel like I need to read it before the next one. And ultimately, that's what it comes down to, right? Because I, I would much rather read a full arc in one sitting and trade, and I do it all the time. I would say 90% of the time when I read a trade, I read it from front to back in one sitting. There's, there's very few that I don't. And uh, when I don't, it's more of a time issue than an enjoyment issue. But I mean, with most trades being four or five issues, it's I think it's very easy to do. But I mean, I still want to get some DC books. And I just need to figure that out right now. Because as much as I'm not reading Batman, I, I almost feel like I have to read Batman. And Paul and I talked about this privately it might have come out of the podcast too, and I know that it came up with uh, with Nick and Mike as well. But I mean, when you collect something for twenty five years plus, that means a lot. You know what I'm saying? And not just like getting them religiously every month or now every two weeks when those come out, but going and trying to fill in gaps that you missed. So, of course, there there was gaps in, in my comic reading growing up. I think everyone's got that during high school, for example. And then there was a, another small gap when I was in college, and then a small gap after college. And I, I filled in all those gaps. And, of course, I, I wanted more because I, I had all those, and I, I've read all those. And so I go back, and I start getting, you know, older Batman comics from the, the 80s and the 70s and the 60s. And I don't know how much farther I can go. But monetarily, I mean, you know what? That might just make more sense. If I cut my pull list from 100 books to 20 books, then maybe that's what I would do with uh, with all this extra cash. Maybe I can go back and get more Batman comics that I don't own. And I'm talking about, like, physical copies, not digital copies. Because I do own older books digitally. They're not all available, but I do own quite a few of them. So there's that. 
But outside of that, like, what what else means a lot to me? I mean, yeah, I love the Bat Family. So maybe I'll continue with Detective. I do have a large chunk of that. I don't think it's as extensive as my Batman stuff, but I love Detective. What about the rest of the stuff? I mean, I would I think Red Hood and the Outlaws is the best Batman title right now. But do I have like some affinity to just continue with that? Yeah. I can I could trade weight on that. Same with Batwoman or Batgirl or the you know, Birds of Prey or anything like that. And then some books are just like I wonder how I became so engrossed in it. And if things change, would I continue to be that way? So Deathstroke is a prime example. What happens if Christopher Priest leaves Deathstroke? Because I've never given a crap about Deathstroke. And now I would say it's the best DC title. So so how do I, you know, try to figure that out? So I've had a few discussions, and, and you know, this has come up in other podcasts, so if I'm repeating myself, I apologize. But... You know, I put out uh, my top five books a couple weeks ago, and uh, Chris Parton chimed in on it from Boom Addiction and said, those are the books you should read. Everything else you can probably do without. And that's interesting. And you know what? He's he's actually absolutely right. Because if, if there's five books that I can't wait for them to come out, and that's the first thing I read anyway, then why am I wasting time with everything else? Why am I giving myself the additional stress to read those books that I, maybe I don't care as much about. Why am I reading them? Is it because I do the podcast and I have to talk about them? Is it because my friends read them and I want to you know, talk about it with them? Well, I mean, I've seen a shift in that too, right? I have a lot of friends who are dropping current books and going to trade or going back and reading older stuff. So maybe that's not that important either. Maybe that's not that important either. And there's so many like seminal stories that I've never read that maybe I should read before I read anything current that maybe hasn't had a huge impact on comics in general. And I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but why not? Why not read those first? I mean, they're not going to go away anywhere, but neither's the new stuff. So the problem is, if I I, I, I just can't do DCBS anymore. Because I feel like if I do that, I'm going to continue getting a bunch of stuff. And then because I'm ordering so far in advance, maybe I have to continue doing that. So I've decided not to do that. There's going to be a few things that I put on, like, auto-subscribe. But that's, that's going to be very minimal. And everything else, I'm just kind of going to trade. Or digital. And I know some people, some friends of ours, for example, Nick and Daryl, love digital comics. Love digital comics. All about the digital. Nick posted a funny picture of his iPad on his table on Twitter after Mike posted a picture of the mess on his table of hundreds of comics. And it was really telling. Now, I'm not saying one way is better than the other. I don't think it is. Because each of those guys has different reading styles different mentality towards what they read, what they collect, and they're doing what works best for them. But I also don't want to have stuff everywhere. I don't. I've been lucky enough that my wife hasn't asked me when is enough enough. It's been close. I'm not going to lie. It's been close. She's yelled at me a few times for having piles of books on nightstands and on the floor on the dining room table. But I'm, I'm pretty good about getting rid of that stuff. But if I, if I get that much stuff, I want to be able to read it. So how much, is, how much time can I devote to reading? And is what I'm getting something that I can manageably read in that amount of time? And if I miss something, then it's probably not that big a deal. Think about over the last couple of years... How many books have come out that you that everybody was talking about? Everybody. Everybody was talking about. There's very, very few. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Um, like, there were a couple image ones that everybody was talking about. Like, uh, was it Reborn? 
or Seven to Eternity, Tokyo Ghost. Everybody was talking about it, and then like nobody cares anymore. Or you know, DC Rebirth stuff. Obviously, that was big. I thought it was fantastic. I'm glad I got all those, and I'm glad I read all those. But of course, now I'm behind. Outside of that, what else? Marvel, I, I can't think of much. Although I've really been digging Secret Empire. I think it's fantastic. I know some people that love Marvel disagree with me, and that's fine. But uh, I think Secret Empire has been fantastic. The X-Men stuff was not as good, right? I had high hopes, but it wasn't as good. Um, I do like the X-Men Blue, I think it is. I'm not going to continue with it, but the one with the, the original team as kids. I like that book. It's a good book. Outside of that, eh. I mean, what else? Like, there's indie books that get talked about. Maybe for the wrong reason sometimes. So I'm thinking, like, Black Mass, for example. I can't tell you how many conversations I've seen on Twitter or I've had personally on the phone or in a podcast or on Messenger somewhere about Black Mass books and their scheduling. And it's really too bad because they're so good. A lot of those books are really, really good. But am I am I willing to put up with a shit ass release schedule to read a really good book when I don't know when the hell it's coming out again? So as I record this, I think uh, Four Kids Walking to a Bank number five comes out tomorrow. Tomorrow, the book has been out for two years, I believe, or close to two years. Five issues in two years—that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. And I understand that the creative team has gone on to do other things. I know Rosenberg's doing uh, books at Marvel, and that's fantastic for him. I'm really happy for him. But the thing is, like, what about the people that were buying your books before you were at Marvel? Don't you feel as a creator that you owe it to those people that supported your indie book? I think, I think you do. And I, I've never had this conversation with him. I've met him at a con once. He's he's super nice, super cool dude. But think about that. If you're if you're a creator, doing an indie book for a big name, big two book, maybe like you can let it slide. But the thing is, then you have editors and investors that are maybe going to push you to put the stuff out. But if you're doing an indie book, there's no reason why you shouldn't stay on schedule. And if you can't do a monthly book, that's fine. Just don't solicit it. Say it's a quarterly book or a bi-monthly book. Or you know what? Here's a better idea. Finish a fucking arc so you can you know, solicit the book for five months or four months or six months, whatever, however length your arc is. Do the whole thing. And so when you put it out, you know that your, your people that support you are going to buy that book. And you can't complain about sales numbers of your book if your book doesn't come out. Period. End of story. That's reality. Anyways, I'm getting off topic. But I, I love Black Mass books. But there's no way that I can continue getting them. And I was. I was still getting, uh, what is it, Jade Protection Agency I really liked. Kim and Kim I wasn't a big fan of. Uh, Four Kids is really good. Young Terrorist is really good. But I mean, like, there's only so much... That I'm willing to put up with. You see what I'm saying? Ronnie and I recorded Aftershock Central this morning, and we were talking about Shipwreck from Aftershock, and that's a Warren Ellis book. And Warren Ellis has a history of starting something and not finishing it. And that book was awesome, like on time, three months. And then the fourth issue was like eh, a month and a half, two months. And now it's been like a month and a half, two months from four to five. And granted, there's only one issue left. And hopefully that one issue comes out. But what if it doesn't? And I love the Wildstorm stuff. That's actually one of the books I'm going to continue getting on a monthly basis is the Wildstorm. When when the other books from that... Is it an imprint? I don't think it's an imprint. Maybe it is. But they're going to be doing some other books relating to the Wildstorm universe. When those come out, uh, I don't know if I want to get them. Unless they do a Wildcats, then I'll get that like on the spot. Wildcats, Wetworks. Oh my god, Wetworks was amazing. That had a big scheduling issue as well. Anyways. But like Ellis has always done this. Right? And he, he always has such fantastic ideas. 
and always, well, not always, most of the time manages to find some amazing artists to do his stories. But if the scripts aren't coming out and the books aren't coming out or he loses interest, then what do you do as a reader? But again, like you can't just pick books that you know are safe because then you just pick like Marvel and DC books. Well, maybe those aren't safe either. Maybe that's a bad example. I don't know. I don't even know what you'd pick. Man, this is going like off topic completely. But uh, it's an interesting discussion to have. Ultimately, I know I know that this is what's going to happen. I'm going to continue reading Batman Monthly. I think Wildstorm is going to continue there as well. There's a few other books. As long as Baby Teeth is coming out, I'll be getting that monthly. As long as... I, I, I want to say Animosity. I'm pretty sure on that. As long as that's coming out, I'm going to get those. Um, in terms of Valiant... I mean, I if if all they put out was secret weapons, like I'd be totally okay with that. And I know that there's going to be valiant such a podcast listeners listening to this. They're going to be like, "What the f, Martin? Who are you? And where's my Martin?" And you know what? Like, listen, valiant is no different than any other publisher. Okay, so you should never treat them any different than any other publisher. A publisher puts out books. If you like them, great. If you don't like them, great. But that's your personal preference. And right now, they're not putting out a whole lot of books. Six books. Six books. Not a whole lot of books. Uh, no ongoings, really. What's the, the only ongoing they have right now, I believe, is Exo War. Everything else is minis or one-shots. The Bloodshot Salvation's coming out. That's cool. I'm going to get that. But probably in trade. And that's it. That's it. Secret Weapons is a four-issue mini. If you listen to Valiant Central, you know there's going to be a, a one-shot, like a zero issue coming out. I love that book. I love Eric Heiser as a writer. I hope they keep him around. Or even if they don't keep him there, like I hope somebody picks him up to do something. Like his, I love his movies. He's done a bunch of them. I, the one that I talk about all the time is Arrival, because that's the most recent. I think he's a great writer. And a super awesome, cool dude to talk to, by the way. But, you know, Secret Weapons, Force Your Mini. So I can't put that on my pull list. I wish I could. It's my favorite Valiant book right now. And everyone knows how much I love Exo Man War. And that's, that's, that's weird. I mean, the direction of the book's great. Matt Kent's doing a fantastic job on it. The artist that they have on that book is great. I'm just not as engrossed in the story as I was when Venditti was doing it. And that, that's okay. That's okay. But Secret Weapons, man. God, just make that an ongoing. I will buy the shit out of that. I will buy every copy of that. Probably not. I'm just kidding. So uh, there is a, a deluxe hardcover coming out, which I will also be getting. Even if it's 40 bucks or four issues, I'm okay with that. Uh, I, I love deluxe editions. Love, love, love them. When they're done correctly. So, I mean, and so aside from that, what? Like, there's, there's faith in the future force. I don't care about faith. I never have. And I think that's a mini, too, anyway. What else? War Mother, that's a mini. That's good, but it's a mini. No other ongoings there. Let's go to Aftershock, because I think Aftershock is interesting. And I can I can almost put, like, Valiant and Aftershock in the same, uh, same little bubble. Because, you know, I do get preview copies of a lot of books. So it's not like I can't read them the day they come out or before if I if I don't want to, okay? And Aftershock is one of those companies that sends me books, preview copies. But the thing is, like, if if I want to get their books, is it fair for me to buy everything because I want to support Aftershock? Well, depends how you look at it. So maybe, maybe not, but maybe so. I don't know. That's that's hard too, right? Because that's that's a small indie. None of their books sell more than I don't know, seven, eight thousand copies, if that, right? Maybe for number one, I would say most of them are below five thousand. And I love Joe Pruitt. Joe Joe's an awesome dude. And I mean, I, I've liked Joe Pruitt since the nineties, when he was doing that Kilroy book, for example. I love his stuff. But at the same time, like, do I want to get everything? If I was doing a podcast, would I get everything? And that should be important, right? Because I think maybe some people don't have that issue that I have. 
where I'm doing podcasts and covering content? Well, I mean, the answer is probably not, right? I mean, Colin Bunn's got a few books coming out for uh, Aftershock. Well, one I think now, and there's another one coming out. And uh, my my history with Cullen Bunn is a little complicated because I really love like his indie horror stuff, but I just I don't like his Big Tooth uh, works, and I, I I think that's okay too, right? It's, you don't have to buy everything a creator does, and sometimes they have different priorities when they're doing Big Two books. So just you know, read what you enjoy. So I like his indie stuff, indie horror. I'm not a big fan of the big two stuff. Okay? And I think Marvel's mostly what he's done recently. And now he's got Aftershock books. So there's Unholy Grail, which is very interesting. It's a retelling of King Arthur and Merlin, with Merlin as a demon and Arthur as a mind-controlled dumbass. Well, not quite that. But, and it's good, but it's a mini, and... If it was an ongoing, like, I don't know if I would give it more than an arc anyway. And then he's got another one coming out, Dark Ark, which is a dark retelling of Noah's Ark with demons and stuff. That sounds awesome. I'm going to pick that up, at least the first issue. But, I'm, you know, I'm going to get a preview copy anyway, so if it doesn't work out for me, then maybe I'll just wait. And I'll still buy the trade. But I don't need to buy the monthly copies and that's okay too right it's okay i think the problem a lot of times is how involved you are in certain conversations and you know this came up on twitter so i so i asked for some questions and uh our buddy mike myers chimed in and let me find his question how do you think this decision is going to affect your podcast and your network and I think that's interesting. But the thing is, I'm not on every podcast. And the podcasts that I'm in regularly aren't really affected by the fact that I'm not reading current books. Aside from maybe Aftershock Central. But again, I get preview copies, so if I want to, then yeah, I can go and get them. But if I don't, then I, I don't, or maybe I just don't come on that episode. Everything else, like, I don't need to be current on anything. You know, when I've made on, on the Marvel podcast, I think one episode I was on, we are talking about current books. Um, that's going to be going away because I'm not going to be reading Marvel. I haven't gotten there yet. We'll get there. But so I can't do that. But if, if they want to have me on for a show or a TV or a movie or whatever, count me in on that. You know, I, I watched Defenders like over the weekend when it came out. I thought it was awesome. I'll, I'll be more than happy to talk about that. The Batman podcast that I do, I mean, that's 80 years old. I'm not reading any current books for that podcast. And like, you know, I'm adding extra content, but none of it's current either, so it doesn't matter. Valiant Central, that, I don't need to read books, the current books to do anything there. You know, every week it's just a, a free-form discussion about general things. I mean, I might need to know about news, but very rarely do we actually talk about current books. And I know Paul wants to add some of that stuff into the podcast, and maybe we will, but uh, I don't. I don't need to. Uh, outside of that, like what else? Rebirthically, I mean, if I'm not reading DC, then that's going to be on the Rebirthically guys to talk about those books. You know, best of the rest, they don't always do current stuff. So, I mean, that's not quite going to affect me that much. Everything else, I mean, that's that's why I love doing Nerd Legion with Nick, right? Because we talk about whatever the hell we want, whenever we want. And sometimes it's comics, and sometimes it's tech, and sometimes it's, God knows, boobies and pubic hair. Who knows? You know what I'm saying? Like, what, what does it matter? Why does it matter? So I, I don't see that affecting myself in any way. Uh, in terms of affecting the network, everyone's got free will to do whatever they want on their podcasts. You know, if they want to talk about current stuff, then go right for it. If you don't want to talk about current stuff, don't talk about it. Don't talk about it. So, to answer your question, Mike, I don't think that's going to affect me in, in any way whatsoever. To answer your second one, what am I going to do with the extra money? I think this already kind of came up. 
is uh, I'm probably just going to buy more old issues of Batman because that makes me happy. And I just kind of want to do what makes me happy. Outside of that, I don't know. I want to get a new mic and stuff to do more podcasts. So I'm less concerned about what will I do with the money that I'm saving and more concerned about what will I do with the additional time that I'm saving. Because again, that to me is more important. More important for me. Uh, Let's see. Dallow. Dallow. Dallow, Dallow. My buddy from overseas. True or false, you'll eventually buy floppy versions of most of the stuff you get digitally. Uh, And to go with that, over under, you'll stick to your new plan for two months. So I already replied to this second question. um, Because of DCBS, there's no two months. If I'm already ordered two months in advance, and I would have to order two months in advance, uh, that means four months, Dallo. So if my plan fails, it will be four months, not two months. Uh, however, to go with your second thing, floppy versions are digital. I think that's where it gets interesting for me because I do want to get digital stuff. And this goes hand in hand with Marvel. I wish every publisher had a Marvel Unlimited. I do. I really, really do. Why don't you do a Marvel Unlimited? I mean, you're already putting it on Comixology. It's not like you don't have the digital files. Just do it. Just do it. So right now I'm experimenting with a few different things. I will be talking about that soon once I figure out what I like best. But there are many, many options. Um, I know Scribed was doing it. I don't think they're doing their unlimited comics thing anymore. But there's a few other companies that do still do that. I've been playing around with Comixology Unlimited, which is dirt cheap, $5.99 a month. Granted, their library is not huge, but there's a lot of stuff on there, and there is stuff I haven't read, so that's a possibility. Um, I did go back and resubscribe to Marvel Unlimited. I did. I did that. That's a thing that happened. I had stopped doing that because I didn't care, but now I care so much more about older books and care so much less about staying current that I'm totally good with waiting six months for a comic. Totally good. And Marvel, uh, Comicsology Unlimited does have Marvel books, by the way. Not that many, but there are Marvel books there. But, uh, dude, Marvel Unlimited should be a no-brainer. No-brainer. Even if you're not a, like a current Marvel fan, it should still be a no-brainer. Because there are tons of fantastic older Marvel stories that I think everyone should be reading. And this podcast is not about those, so I'm not going to talk about them. We can talk about that later if you want. You let me know. But uh, Marvel Unlimited is, is just a, a fantastic service. I'm, I'm very excited to be back on that. I, uh, I hope to be reading a lot of Marvel in the next few months. And that's kind of weird for me to say, but I do. I do. I, I don't want to buy certain things from Marvel physically. To me, they don't feel like they might be worth that. There's, there's some exceptions, particularly things that maybe are collected in trades, like events and things like that. Um, to go with that, like if there's a Spider-Man event, by the way, I will be buying that in trade. I'm not going to get the floppies, but I will buy that in trade. I've been really digging all these Spider-Man events for the past few years. And a couple of the series even, like Superior Spider-Man, whew, fantastic. Superior Foes of Spider-Man, whew, fantastic. But uh, outside of that, I'm okay with trade waiting on those. I'm okay with trade waiting. Rob says I should be buying gifts for fellow podcasters with all the money I save. No, Rob. I'm reinvesting that into my time. That's what I'm doing with it. Um, and I also don't plan on double dipping. I'm not going to double dip. So if I end up continuing with the series on a monthly basis with a physical comic, I will not be purchasing the digital copy. Once I end up getting down to the exact number that I know I'm going to be getting every month, that's still a little bit up in the air right now. Again, because of my DCBS orders, I'm okay with that. Once I get down, I can figure out if I'm going to continue with the DCBS thing 
Again, that might be a problem because it might entice me to buy more. Or whether I want to go back to a shop. That's also a possibility. Also a possibility. So so we'll see. We'll see. Um, I don't have a prediction on, on time. I, I, I don't think that this is ultimately the way things are going to be, Dallow. But I do feel like 90% of this plan is going to be follow through to the T. Whatever the final you know way that the plan ends up being will be followed to a T. Aaron did not follow instructions. He asked, why is Michael Byers Brunch the best? And how can you get him on our network? Well, I don't know why he's the best. All that matters is that he is. The why is irrelevant. How can we get him on this network? I would love to have Mike on this network. But Mike does his own thing. And whatever Mike puts out, I'll listen to. So there's that. Whether it's on this network or not doesn't matter to me. Um, I think that was all the questions. I think that was all the questions. Um, so yeah, tough. Uh, it's it's tough, man. It's tough. I, I'm recording for like 45 minutes now. I didn't even plan on it being this long. I was thinking like, hey, I'll put out this 15-minute thing. It'll be fine. Uh, 45 minutes later. But, you know, finding the right balance is hard, man. It's hard. And... You know, it, for me, it's not about the money, right? Some people cut because of they want to save money, and and that's fine. I, I'm fortunate enough that I don't need to do that. But at the same time, you know, I, I want to be able to enjoy whatever I'm reading or watching or doing or, or anything. You know, and if I don't enjoy it, then I shouldn't be doing it. Shouldn't be doing it. And you know, reading close to a hundred books a month, it it just did not bring me enjoyment anymore. Did not bring me enjoyment. If if I can find those, well, obviously five, but let's say ten books, maybe twenty books, that provide me with the majority of my enjoyment, and majority I mean like eighty plus percent. And I don't see why that shouldn't be the case. There, there's definitely for me standout books that come out every single month that I'd love to read, love to read. Now I'll just I'll throw in Astro City in here again. I know I've mentioned it in like four different podcasts in the past week or two, but I'm gonna throw it in because I think it's it's such an underrated book, and I'm surprised that it still comes out. I guess Busiek's got enough of an audience where. It still warrants him to keep putting it out. But, oh God, it's so good. And I think, and, and Black Hammer is getting that way for me too, by the way. Jeff Lemire's book. Uh, there's a spin-off coming out, which I, I, I'm not going to get because that would go against the purpose of me cutting down on these things. Black Hammer was one of those things where it came out and I was like, this is interesting, but eh, like whatever. As the series has developed... It's just one of those things where I kind of feel like I need to be reading. So I feel like maybe Black Hammer is going to be one of those series that continues to be on my pull list. And then the the, the, the really tough one is going to be indies though, right? So I, I've been loving the Catalyst Prime stuff from Lionforge. Uh, that's going to be tough to cut those out, but I feel like I have to cut them out. Because even though I do get a lot of enjoyment out of those... You know, now they're they're putting out an additional series every month, and I don't want to fall back into that trap that I was in with Valiant or Aftershock, where I feel like I have to read every single one of these to support the publisher. Um, now, will will one or two of those survive? Possibly. Superb is superb, so I might stick with that on a monthly basis. But you know, I was going back and forth on Twitter with uh, the Lionforge folks, and they're going to be releasing all those in trade. So I'm I'm totally okay waiting four or five months for a trade of those to come out. And, you know, I do wish them the best. And I hope if you're listening to this and you haven't read the Catalyst Prime stuff, that you do go out and, and check those out. Because there's, there's plenty of, of indie comics that people don't read that have a very niche audience that are able to survive because of that niche audience, but really deserve a lot more readers. And I know it's tough, right? Like, what do you cut? What don't you cut? 
Listen, that's why I've been talking for the past 50 minutes. It's hard for me. Okay? And yeah, I have a comic budget, but it's pretty high. I can only imagine if you have a low comic... Like, if you can only afford three comics, five comics, even ten comics... Like, I can only imagine what what do you stick to. And it's it's probably tried and true. And to be honest, if you're sticking with tried and true, chances are you're missing out on some really, really fucking good comics. But then don't be like me and just get everything because you want you don't want to miss out on those things you know um hopefully i can find some balance when new things come out that i feel will really appeal to me that i can find a way to bring them into my uh monthly pull list in some way or another again most likely it'll be trade but i will be playing around with some of these digital services to see in particular for the indies um, what I can add to my reading list without having to worry about ordering the books or staying up to date with my DCBS order or with previews or anything like that. We'll see. We'll see. I know the, the, the library system has a couple services that are available to them as well. I might check those out. But uh, I, I do want to strike some sort of balance in supporting indie creators while at the same time not having to purchase all of their books. I think that's that's the most important thing, right? Because some things are never going to go away. Batman's not going to go away. Now, it, it was at risk of cancellation at a point or two in the past, but Batman's not going to go away. Superman's not going to go away, right? X-Men, eh, maybe it'll go away. But you, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's books that will always be around in some way or another, okay? Just because they're not the most popular at the time doesn't mean they won't be around, you know, these are these are key characters that will be around. What about the really interesting stuff that may not be around if you don't take a chance and read it? I think that's what's most important here. Um, and so that's why I'm okay with just doing Marvel Unlimited. And with DC, I wish DC would do it. DC Unlimited, because you know what? I'll be on it. I would be right on that. Right on that. And then I wouldn't even feel any need to, you know, invest time on it because it's just available whenever so if i miss it i didn't i didn't miss anything i'm already paying for it anyway i didn't miss anything and then i can try some of the new stuff so uh dc get on that dc get on that i think that's it uh i'm, I'm curious what everyone else is thinking i know this was super long almost an hour now Whew, mike i don't know how you do these solo podcasts for so long man that's that's crazy it's crazy but uh yeah let me know what you thought about this. If uh, if you want some more of these off the dome things, I'm you know what. As long as it was, I actually wouldn't mind doing these. Maybe like once a month. Anyways, that's it. I'm at Geekbind on Twitter. Hello at nerdlegion.com is the email. And uh, go check out the other shows. They're fun. God, I've recorded so many podcasts today. Anyways, I'm out of here. I'll quit babbling. Goodbye. <laughs>